You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. The Lord said, give me your ashes and I'll replace them with my beauty. Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. This is our third week being in this passage of scripture. I really can't get it out of my heart and mind. I think about it every day and the truths of it roll through my mind and heart. And so we're really going to pause today and look deeply into this passage of scripture and what does it mean when the Lord says if you give me your ashes I will give you my beauty Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes." the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now the fulfillment of that prophecy in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Verse 16, Jesus is the way. He is the fulfillment of that prophecy some 700 years prior to the birth of our Savior. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. If you're there, give me an amen. amen. And he, the Lord Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, place where we just read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it to again to the minister and sat down and all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. I am that one 
that Isaiah prophesied about. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Heavenly Father, would you bless the preaching of your word today. Open our hearts. Help us to really, really understand what it means to give you our ashes and in return receive your beauty. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you kind of want to flip back and forth from Isaiah chapter 61 and Luke chapter 4, maybe you've got a marker in your Bible and you can kind of, of do that. You may want to do that in today's message. But you may remember the first message that we brought out of this passage of Scripture, we entitled it, Jesus, the Healer of Broken Hearts. In that message, we saw that the Lord Jesus is the Anointed One. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. The Spirit of God was upon him. You may remember Peter's great confession where he said, Thou art the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the Savior of the world. Thou art the Christ. And Jesus turned to him and he said, Peter, Petras, little stone, Peter, upon this rock, Petra, a massive stone. You're just a Petra, but upon this Petras, upon this massive stone, which was the confession that Peter had made about Christ, he said, upon this stone, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church was not built upon Peter, but the church was built upon our rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the anointed one, the promised one. He is the gospel. Not only did he come to preach the gospel to the meek and to the poor, but he himself is the gospel. If you look up the word gospel in the Bible, you will find that it identifies the gospel as the gospel of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord, the gospel of your salvation. I'm here to tell you today, neither is there salvation. There's no other gospel. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other gospel. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the anointed one. He is the gospel. This passage of scripture, we saw that he is the great physician. Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners under repentance. You've heard me say many times, the church is a hospital for sinners. Hallelujah. We should all feel comfortable in Christ's church. We can come to be healed. He is the great physician. Jeremiah said he is the balm of what? Gilead. He is the balm of Gilead. He healeth the broken in heart and he bindeth up their wounds. Jesus is the answer. He is the only answer. The anointed one, the gospel, the great physician, the balm of Gilead, the healer of broken hearts. In our second message, which we introduced last week, we talked about the exchange program that Jesus offers to anyone and everyone 
that will embrace it. He makes you an offer. He makes me an offer. He makes you a promise. He makes me a promise. And that offer and promise is made to everyone. Hallelujah for that. And this is his exchange offer. Listen, he said, you give me your ashes, I will give you my what? I'll give you my beauty. He said, you give me your mourning, all your sorrow and grief. You give me your mourning, I'll give you my joy. You give me your spirit of heaviness. We've all had that heaviness, that burden that we carry. He said, you give me your heaviness, I will give you a garment of praise. I want to tell you something, that is a great exchange deal right there. He, he has done so much for us. How could I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done for me? If you will turn to the Lord in your time of need, if you will believe in his promises, if you will accept his exchange program, if you'll embrace his deliverance, he promises you that he will make that exchange for you. He'll take your ashes, he'll bring beauty from them, and as he brings beauty from your ashes, he will glorify himself in and through your life. And let me tell you something, that's what the Christian life is all about. It's all about giving him the glory that he deserves. His promise, I will comfort all that mourn. I will comfort all that mourn. If we will turn to him, he said this, I will make you a tree of righteousness, not a reed shaken in the wind, but I will make you a strong, firm, planted tree of righteousness. Let me, I'll tell you what we need in Christ church today. We need more trees of righteousness to stand up and not be blown around and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but righteous trees. He said, I will make you that. Give me your ashes. I'll give you my beauty. I'll turn you into a righteous tree and I will glorify myself in and through your life. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. By the way, that's the only kind of trees he plants. That he might be glorified. Let me ask you a question. Are you standing strong in the trials and troubles and tribulations and adversities and sufferings of life? Are you that tree? That righteous tree bringing honor and glory to your Savior? Remember what David said as the Psalms opened. He said this, he shall be like a what? I can't hear you. He shall be like a tree planted the planting of the Lord he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit why are we to bring forth fruit in our lives for the glory of God Peter wrote these words if any man suffer ashes if any man suffer as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God on this behalf. Give me your ashes, I'll give you my beauty. Wherefore, let them 
that suffer according to the will of God. Did you know sometimes it is the will of God for you to go through suffering? That's, that's not a popular message today in our contemporary churches. But it is the word of God. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, watch this, commit the keeping of their souls to him. Give them your ashes. Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing. I'm not going to listen to Satan. I'm not going to follow him. I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to give up on his church. I'm not going to stop reading the Bible. I'm not going to stop witnessing. I'm not going to stop all those things that Satan is trying to stop because of the suffering. This I'm not going to do it. Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as a faithful creator. When we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we run to him. I mean, when everything seems to be burning in our lives, when ashes seem to be falling, and doesn't seem to be anything good that's happening or coming out of our experiences, if we will run to the Lord during these times, what did he say he will do? He doesn't say he will run to us, he will fly to our aid. He will fly to our aid. Malachi put it this way, Malachi 4.2, he will come with healing in his wings. You run to him, he flies to you. Aren't you thankful that we have a person to go to in our time of need? And we have a place to go where we can find mercy and grace to help in our time of need? Let me tell you something, the world doesn't have that. When ashes hit the world, they don't have someone to turn to that'll bring beauty out of their ashes. I'll tell you what they'll turn to in just a minute. Instead of, instead of turning to the Lord, they'll, they'll turn to a lot of other things. By the way, listen to me. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Whether you're saved or lost, you're going to have some things turn into ashes in your life. But it's who you turn to during those times. We run to him, he flies to us. Jesus said, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. I think probably most of you have seen that. Danger comes, little chicks run and they hide under the wings of their mother. Even as a hen gathereth her chickens under his wings. He said, that's what I would do for you, but you would not. You would not. You would not come. You would not run to me. I wanted to fly to you and protect you and keep you. But you would not come to me. I'll tell you this. Our Savior is a Savior of free will. Either you can run to him or you'll run away from him. Remember when he said that through all the temptations he went through, he said he is able to succor them that are tempted. I can't help but get that out of I know I mentioned it twice now, both Sundays. But you get those little babies. We got, like I said, we got, four, we got four new babies in the white family. It's just so awesome. Daniel and Julia got their baby with the boy. We prayed for him. Weston's doing great. He is so cute. He's cuter than any of your grandbabies. 
I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. Your grandbabies are ugly compared to him. That's all right. He'll take ashes and bring beauty out of it. It's all right. To see those little babies when they get so worked up. <laughs> You've all seen it, right? And you put them on mama's breast. They just calm right down. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus said, when you get all... <laughs> just come to me. Why don't we do that? Why do we... Why do we go running to someone else or something else instead of running to the one who promises to fly to our aid? So I want to continue to talk about God's exchange program today, Ashes for Beauty. Take a real in-depth look at that and what it means. But I think, I think this, as I stop and think, give me your ashes, I'll give you my beauty. You talk about a passage full of hope, Right? You talk about a passage that is just an encouragement to us in all the trials and sufferings and adversities that we face in life. When we take our hurting to the Lord and we give God those ashes that have hurt so much, he promises. Let God be true and every man be a liar. He promises to exchange our ashes for his beauty. Could you... Could you expect anything less from our loving and merciful Savior? Jesus is the answer. I guess where I want to go now is to talk about ashes and then talk about God's beautification process. So as I was just pondering on all this this week and just thinking about ashes and what the Bible says, you know the Bible says a lot about ashes? It really does. I never thought that someday I'd do a word study on ashes. But it was so insightful. There were six things that I learned from looking at the Bible and what it said about ashes. The first thing that I discovered is that ashes represent loss. Remember what Paul said? Whatsoever things were gained to me, those I counted what? Loss. Yea, doubtless I count all, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I took the loss of all things. All these ashes. Ashes represent loss. I took the loss of all these things. I gave them to God and God gave me the excellency of his knowledge. That's beautiful. When something is turned to ashes, it is totally consumed. As we moved into our new home and we had a lot of clearing the property to do and the uh, young couples came out to our house and we had this big bonfire. How many couples were there for that? That was a big bonfire. I mean, we'd, we had to stand back from it. It was hot. And it was all piled up and we lit that thing on fire. When that thing burned down, there was nothing. I mean, that huge pile just turned into a handful of ashes. Ashes represent loss. Ashes represent something being consumed. 
and just the residue of the former state is left behind. Let's be honest, some of us can look back at our past life and just see a lot of ashes of things that were really important to us at that time, but just... Last year, there were wildfires that swept through the west portion of our country. It was really horrifying to see these people rummaging through what once used to be their homes. I'll never forget this one lady. I mean, these were million-dollar homes that swept through this one community. I remember seeing this lady bent over, just, the house is gone. And she's just rummaging through the ashes, trying to find some keepsakes. Just something that was left behind of their former life. Ashes represent loss. And really, what do we have in this life that we cannot lose like that? The only thing I can think of is our eternal salvation. Ashes represent loss. As I started looking more into the scriptures, I saw that ashes also represent, obviously, something that is sinful and filthy. Psalm 14, verse 3 says, They are all gone. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. If there's one thing about ashes, ashes are filthy. If you ever cleaned out a fireplace, if you ever cleaned out a fire pit, uh, I was uh, visiting Larry yesterday, uh, we were talking about how he was doing, and they, they have a fire uh, furnace there, at their, their home where they burn wood, and uh, they were talking to me about cleaning out that fireplace. And uh, Mrs. Gear was telling me how she, she was cleaning out that fireplace. She just went outside to dump out the ashes and just a little breeze, just a little breeze. She's hardly detectable, but just a little breeze came up and blew those ashes. Ashes are filthy. Kids love to play in them. Yes? Mud puddle and ashes, they're headed for them. But it's filthy. It represents sin. Remember last week we talked about the doctrine of imputation. Where the Lord takes all of our unrighteousness and exchanges it for what? His righteousness. His righteousness is imputed to our account by faith. Again, what a deal. John wrote as he opened the book of the Revelation, he said, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, Unto him, the opening of the revelation, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Thank the Lord that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse away all the filthy ashes of sin that has been in our lives. Not just at salvation, but after salvation, John wrote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins, here it comes, and to cleanse us from all that filth, from all of that unrighteousness. What can wash away my sin? 
Come on, say it with me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen, there is nothing that will wash away the filth and sin from your life other than the blood of Christ. Believe it and embrace it. Ashes represent loss. They represent filth. As I thought of ashes, ashes also, guess what color they are? They're gray. Ashes are gray, aren't they? They're dark. They're gloomy. Is that how God wants us to live our life? Or does he want us to let our light so shine that men may see our good works and what? Glorify, say it with me, our Father which art in heaven, the beauty. Give me your ashes. I'll bring my beauty out of those ashes. But Jesus also said this. He said, if the light that is in thee be darkness. How many remember that verse? If the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? We can just get our life all darkened by the ashes of sin to where the light of the gospel and the glory of God does not emanate from our lives. Ashes represent loss. They represent filth. They represent that which is gray and dark and gloomy. Have you ever heard someone say, there's just like a dark cloud hanging over our lives? Now, my dad loved Peanuts. He loved the cartoon. He loved to watch Peanuts, Charlie Brown, when it came on TV. Remember Pigpen? See, these younger people are looking at me like, Peanuts, what? Something you eat or why they don't know? How many here don't know what peanuts is? Huh? See? All these younger people. This poor younger generation. A pig pen always walking around, dirty, filthy, with a what? Cloud hanging over them. That's not how God wants us to live our lives. With loss and filth and darkness. I also thought about something else about ashes. I've never, I've never seen an attractive ash. Ashes are ugly, aren't they? Has anyone ever said, oh, look at all those ashes. They are so beautiful. No, ashes are ugly. They're very, very unattractive. Very unattractive. You ever notice sometimes we say about, we say about a man, say, man, that guy is handsome. Or we say, that woman, she is so what? Not ugly. Come on. She is so. <laughs> she is so what? She's so beautiful. She's just so attractive. Don't worry. None of you fit into that category of handsome or beautiful. We're just plain, we're just plain Janes here, all right? But people are attracted to beauty. Yes or no? We put the models up on TV and we put the bodybuilders up there and they walk around, they strut themselves, they take off their shirts and look at me and we go, oh, wow. 
And if you just buy my book and eat my diet, you can look like him. You can look like her. And that's very attractive. It sells, doesn't it? Would they ever advertise a person with ashes all over them? Of course they wouldn't. You can take the most beautiful woman in all of the world, have her wallow around in ashes and get up, and you would not say, wow, is she ever attractive. The most handsome man, you'd never say, wow, he is so attractive. One thing also about ashes, have you ever noticed, if you get around a person that has ashes on them, you get them on you too? It's what the Bible calls the unclean thing. It says don't touch it. Wallowing in ashes has never made anyone beautiful or attractive. But why should we be beautiful and attractive? Why should we? So we attract people to Jesus. We're talking about a different attractiveness, aren't we here? Not just a physical attractiveness, but a spiritual attractiveness. Is there hope for our ashes to be turned into beauty? Absolutely. Isaiah 57, verse 18, listen to this. God's word says, I have seen his sorrow. I've seen all of his ashes. I will heal him. I will, I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I'm going to tell you, there is hope for the ashes syndrome that has affected every single one of us. But here, Satan is doing, I, I, believe, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in Satan's attack upon individuals' lives, especially on our young people. He attacks our young people hard. This culture, the world lies in the lap of the wicked one. This culture is attacking our young people hard. We're going to be showing a video here coming up in March on a Sunday evening on why so do you know that that two out of every three of our teenagers upon graduation will leave the church you say why is that because satan is using this filthy filthy culture to affect our teenagers in a big way we better understand it so Satan is doing everything he can do to get you to, listen, he wants you to focus on your ashes and not Christ's beauty. He wants to make you filthy. He wants to make you ugly. He wants to put out your light, give you that darkness, all in his effort to steal glory from God. He hasn't changed. Go all the way back to the garden. What was he trying to do? That's what he was trying to do. And that's what he's trying to do in my life and your life is to take our face and shove our face into our ashes instead of looking to how God will bring beauty from those ashes. The Bible calls Satan the prince of darkness. 
And he wants to bring that darkness into our lives. That's why we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to be alert. Our adversary, the devil, walketh round about. You know what that means? It means he's prowling. He prowls. Last night we were watching, uh, um, we got home from the meeting here at the church, and, and I was going over my message, and for whatever reason, I like to go over my message either listening to gospel music or I like to watch uh, the animal shows on TV. It's just, just awesome. And, and they were showing, how many know what a lemon is? A lemon, not, not a lemon, but the little animal, the lemon. Not a lemur, a lemur's like a monkey. How do you pronounce it? Lambine. Forgot the ing on the end. And they had this fox. I mean, he was down there, and he was just, it was unbelievable how close he got to that thing just by prowling. You know what Satan's doing? He's prowling in your territory. And he's trying to destroy your life by keeping you in your ashes. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. Can't you just see him face into the ashes, wallowing it, wallowing it, wallowing it. Don't get up. Don't get cleansed. Keep your focus on those ashes. Paul had a lot of ashes in his life. He said, brother, and I caught not myself to have apprehended, attained Christ's likeness. That was his goal. He said, but this one thing I do. You know the passage. This one thing I do, what? Come on, I can't hear you. What? Forgetting. I am not going to allow Satan to keep my face in my failure and in my ashes. I'm not going to do it. Forgetting those things which are behind, the ashes of our life, and reaching forth to the things which are before his beauty, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and that is the day of our ultimate perfection when we're glorified with him like Gene is today. Ashes can become the focus of your life if you allow them to. The Apostle Paul would never, ever, ever have accomplished all that he accomplished for the cause of Christ if he would allow Satan to keep his face in, his, in the ashes and just wallow in it. If we focus on the ashes, we'll never develop Christ's likeness in our lives. That beauty of Christ's likeness will never come out of our lives. Is loss painful? That woman rummaging around, <laughs> trying to find a keepsake somewhere in the ashes of her former home. Loss is painful. But what is this passage telling us? Don't focus on the loss. Focus on the beauty that God is going to bring in your life through the loss. Do you all got that? I refuse, I refuse to give Satan ground in my life 
even though I'm going through a trial, even though I have troubles, he, he is not going to make me ugly. And I'll tell you, a lot of people do turn ugly when they go through loss. A lot. David said, wash me thoroughly. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop. That was the branch that they used to apply the blood to the mercy seat. Purge me with hyssop, with the blood, and I shall be clean. I love this last statement. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than what? Well, I'm glad my glasses go dark when I go outside. I don't always like it when I walk inside. It takes a while for them to brighten back up. But when I walk outside, I've always had glasses that, that darken ever since I've, I've worn glasses. Now, if I were to take off my glasses outside right now with the brightness of the snow there, it's just, I, I got to put my glasses on. My eyes just aren't adjusted to that. But I'll tell you, this, this snow is beautiful. How many of you have ever been to our house? I'll tell you what. It is so beautiful at our house right now with all the snow. Only if it could be that beautiful and be 70 degrees. <laughs> Wash me, and I shall be whiter than what? Seriously, it's 10 after 12. Wow, how do I do this? So try to... What will happen? What will happen if we focus on our ashes and we don't focus on his beauty instead? Does anybody, can anybody tell me what will happen? Okay, I'm going to tell you what will happen. You're going to lose the joy of his salvation. How many joyless Christians are walking around right now because they've turned bitter, they've gone through loss, the filthiness of their ashes are upon them, there's darkness and ugliness and sorrow You know what will produce joy in your life? Changing your focus. That's the biggest deal in the Christian life is what are you going to focus on? Temporal things, eternal things, where's your focus? I don't have, to, I don't have time to read the scriptures. Okay, I don't. But I wrote down 16 things that produce joy. Joy is found in God's presence. Joy is found as we live a righteous life. Joy is given to those who seek the Lord with all their heart. Joy is a result of getting into God's word and allowing God's word to get into you. Joy is found in encouraging others in the Lord. Joy happens when we put our full faith and trust in the Lord. Joy is found in giving to the Lord. Joy is found in leading a person to Christ or seeing a person come to Christ. There is joy in serving the Lord. There is joy in 
singing unto the Lord. There is joy found in answered prayer. There is joy in suffering for Christ's sake. There is joy in obeying the commandments. There is joy in knowing that you're saved. There is joy in living a spirit-filled life. And there is joy in going to church. Now stop. I could have read all the scriptures that went with them. I'm a scripture preacher, you know that? I am, I'm a scripture preacher. I'll have probably 50 scriptures in every message that I preach. Some people get up and they read one, one verse and then they go on for 40 minutes and they never refer to any other verse and it's a good message, it's a good exhort, but that's not me. And so be assured, I got a verse for every one of those joy passages. But you allow Satan to keep you focused on your ashes, none of those things will you experience. But I will say this, ashes can become the nutrients from which God brings great spiritual growth. Last week I mentioned Mount Helens, Mount St. Helens. 35, 40 years ago it erupted. Here's what I want you to do. Go online this afternoon and look back at that eruption and now look at Mount Helens today. Unbelievable. The beauty. You take a fire that has swept through a forest and there's nothing but ashes. And then you just, I mean, even a year later or two years later, it's just blossoming with beautiful flowers and trees are growing and new life has sprung forth. And this is what they will tell you. They'll tell you that that is necessary, that there are times when forests have to go through that purging. There is a purging that takes place in our life and the ashes come, but they can be the nutrients that God uses to bring great spiritual growth. Jeremiah said, I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. Jesus said to his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye shall be sorrowful. Sorrow is going to come in life, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Listen, I believe that God can take your ashes in your life and he can bring joy from them if you'll get the right focus. I believe that. Forget the things which are behind. Forget the ashes. Reach forth to the things which are before. The Lord's beauty. And he'll make you into a very attractive, beautiful person. How many of you have ever, ever seen someone? They're not real attractive. They're not real beautiful. But you'll say something like this about them. They are so attractive to be around. You know why that is? They've not allowed Satan to keep them focused on ashes. Press toward that prize. I came across this prayer of David. Boy, could David pray. Um, Pastor Evans, a great message again this morning in Sunday school. He, he actually had to go up to his brother-in-law's church and preach because his brother-in-law got sick. And so he left here and went up to his brother-in-law's church is preaching up there now. But he preached. And, and he preached from a psalm. And he said this was... A psalm of Moses. 
I'm like, what? And I looked, and sure enough, Psalm 40 is a prayer of Moses that was put into the Psalms. I'm going to tell you something. These men knew how to pray. David knew how to pray. All the ashes in David's life, all the ashes. But in Moses' life, listen to this. Can I say this? I'm almost done. Can I say that? I'm not telling the truth, but it's getting some of you excited right now. David prayed, let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us. I will take your ashes and I will bring them beauty out of them. You know what I want Fellowship Baptist Church to be? A church full of beautiful people to the glory of God. Not people wallowing in their ashes. Ashes represent loss. They represent filth. They represent darkness. They represent ugliness. And they represent sorrow. How many remember reading about sackcloth and ashes? For those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're not reading your Bible very much because there's a lot of sackcloth and ashes going on in the Bible. I wanted to share some of those with you, but literally I X'd them out of my message because I knew my message was already too long. But lots of times when there was sackcloth and ashes, why sackcloth and ashes? Because ashes represented when something really sorrowful took place in a person's life, and they were really mourning and grieving. Yesterday, Alyssa was in the living room with me, and I said, honey, I said, I got a list of some things here that can really trigger you to be sorrowful and full of grief and, and to mourn. And I said, can you think of any others? And here was my list. Divorce. Bad marriage. Broken relationships. Loss of health. Loss of physical and mental ability. Forced retirement. A physical handicap. A loss of a job. Financial loss. Bankruptcy. Foreclosure. Having a miscarriage or losing a child. Abortion. They never tell you about the after effects of abortion on a woman's life. The death of a loved one, the death of a pet. Some people really love their pets. I'll be honest, I, I, love, I love my little puppy. I love him. But if he gets sick, he's going to get a bullet in his head. That's what he's going to get. He's gonna get. <laughs> I, pro I, I probably should not have said that. <laughs> Loss of a cherished dream. A loved one that has a serious illness. The loss of a best friend. Abuse, mental, emotional, physical, sexual abuse. Also prevalent in today's culture. Rebellious children, political issues. 
church problems, addiction, persecution because of your faith. Yuck. That's ashes. Now, in our culture, we don't put on sackcloth and ashes to express our mourning. We don't, we don't do that. But we find other ways to express it. We complain and grumble a lot. Hello. We wear long faces. We slump. We sulk around. We sigh all the time. We cry a lot. We mumble under our breath just loud enough for others to hear. We become very discouraged and we lack motivation. We talk out loud to ourselves, expressing negative thoughts. How many of you here talk out loud to yourself? And everybody else is going, what? What would you say? We become depressed. We withdraw. We stop eating. It's never been my problem. <laughs> we overeat. It's been my problem. We become irritable. We become angry, bitter. We lash out. We stop attending church. We turn to marijuana, alcohol, other drugs to help us feel better. We overspend. We express how unhappy we are, hoping to gain comfort and support from others. Can I tell you, none of those things bring any lasting joy and happiness. They just make things worse. The last thing, I cannot believe it is 20 after 12. All right, what are you doing? Are you changing the clock up there? Is that what you're doing? Then? The last thing I want you to notice is that ashes represent repentance. Ashes represent repentance. In biblical times, ashes were worn as a sign of humility, sorrow, and repentance over sin. Yes, they represent loss, they represent filth, <coughs> they represent darkness, they, they represent ugliness, they represent sorrow, but ashes also represented repentance in the Bible. That's where ashes are turned to beauty. How many know the story of Job? How many of you would say he handled his ashes much better than I would handle my ashes? But there were times during all this when Job got his focus off of the Lord. He got his focus on his losses, the filth of them, the darkness, the ugliness, the sorrow that he was experiencing. This is what Paul said. He said, ye sorrowed unto repentance. Ashes can be good if they lead you to repentance. 
Godly sorrow worketh repentance, Paul said. So Job allowed all the sorrows and the ashes in his life at a point to sour his attitude. And then the Lord dealt with him. How many have ever had the Lord deal with you? Guess what? The Lord's dealing with some of you right now. And then you've got to deal with him. And I want to close with Job's response. This is in Job chapter 42 as the Lord deals with Job. Just listen. Then Job answered the Lord. The Lord basically said, Job, you've turned really sour. You've been wallowing in your ashes. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. I know you can take my ashes and bring beauty out. I know that. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. You know my heart. You know what I'm thinking, God. He says, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see. Listen how he says, wherefore I abhor myself. I can't believe I allowed myself to waller in the ashes. Now what were his ashes? What were his ashes? He lost his entire family. Ten children died. He lost his home, all of his possessions, lost all of his servants, lost all of his cattle, all of his wealth. Then he loses his health. He said, wherefore I abhor myself. And repent in dust and ashes. Have you ever allowed your grief to sever your fellowship with Christ? If you have, today it's time to repent. Take the symbol of repentance and apply them to your ashes. And hallelujah, God will bring something very beautiful from your life. If he did it for the prodigal son, isn't it amazing God loves to restore the wayward? If you've been away from God and the result of that has been all this ashes, he loves to restore you back into fellowship. Even from the days of your father, you are gone away from my ordinances, have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.